Hello, hello, good morning, good morning. If you want to go ahead and start finding your seats, we want to welcome everyone today. What a great time of worship. Oh my gosh, thank you, worship team, for leading us into such an amazing time. The spirit was evident. Okay, cool. So, again, we want to welcome you to the chapel. We're so excited to see you here. If it is your first time with us, welcome. I want to say, um, if it is your first time, we have a connection card um, in the seat back in front of you for you to be able to fill out, for us to be able to get connected with you, because life together is so much more fun and so much easier, right? So we want to be able to get connected with you, meet you, shake your hand, give you a hug, give you a nice smile, maybe a wink or two, you know. We want to welcome you, right? Okay. Um, and then also on this that connection card... Um, it's a chance for you to be able to share your prayer requests. We want to pray with you. In this church, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that the Lord honors and he hears us. And um, whenever we gather, the word says, right, and two or more are gathered, he is there with us and whatever they ask for will be given to them, right? So we believe that. We want to be able to pray with you. We have a great prayer team. So if you have any prayer requests, please fill that out. And then when you do fill out your connection card, if you fill one out, um, at the end of service, we'll have two ushers at the back. Um, with plates for our offering. That's also where you give your offering. You can just drop that connection card in there with you and somebody from our prayer team and our connection team will be able to reach out to you. Yeah, again, just amazing job, worship team. Um, that was awesome. Uh, we have some awesome opportunities coming up with Easter. Don't miss Easter. Easter's it's just so much fun. The kids, we get to do the Easter egg hunt. There's an amazing, powerful sermon uh, spoken into us on that day. Um, it's just a really special time to invite friends, invite family. Uh, we really love to pack out the place when it comes to Easter. Um, and it's just great fun connecting with every new person that gets to come and meeting your families and extended families. It's just a wonderful thing. Uh, so we just invite you April 9th. Make sure you're there. Also, at 10, um, uh, we really want to invite you to come to our you know, worship and, and our, our breakfast as well. We have a breakfast opportunity for you that morning. Uh, so you can come and get something to eat, fill your tummy a little bit before you go, and uh, have a good time. And we just love y'all. We just want to just thank y'all for everything you're doing, and thank you so much for the donations and all the time spent with the uh, taco. That was awesome. Thank y'all so much for that. There, our youth kids uh, really do value what you're pouring into them uh, into that time. So we just want to welcome Pastor and the blessing, uh, what he's doing with us right now. I hope you're all getting fresh revelation like I am. And we just want to welcome him as he comes up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard about a senior citizen. He was getting up in age and decided to buy him a Corvette. So he took it out for a spin, and he was on I-35, and he was going north, and he thought, you know what, I'm just going to open up this bad boy. And so he put the, his foot down and began to speed a little bit in 85, he took it up to 90. And about that time, he saw a Texas State trooper in his rearview mirror, and the lights came on. The sirens started blowing. And he thought, I'm a little bit older than the usual guy that's speeding, so he took it on up to 100 miles an hour for a few more minutes, and then he took it up to 120, and finally he said, what am I doing? I'm too old for this, so he pulled over. Pretty soon the state trooper got out of his car, walked up to the window. He said, sir, 
He says, it's Friday, and in 30 minutes, I'm off of my shift. He said, if you can give me an excuse why you were speeding, I'll let you go. The older man looked at him and said, sir, three years ago, my wife ran off with a Texas state trooper, and I thought you were bringing her back. The policeman looked at him and said, have a good day, sir. The reason I've been waiting for that joke is because Gwen is in the nursery today. I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, you know, this morning, uh, Christy Beers that is doing our missions you know, department, and we're going to go on a mission trip to Honduras this year. She is in Honduras today. I know that Justin's a little lonely sitting over here by himself, but he'll have to get over it. She's working and sacrificing for the kingdom of God. But she has gone ahead of us on a trip to kind of prepare uh, us having an opportunity. So if you can, uh, we'll, we'll give you more details coming up about our mission trip to Honduras. Also, it's a wonderful day for me and our family because I have more family here today, and uh, I'm just glad that my mother and stepfather David and Joyce are here, and Julie and Doug, and my my aunt Karen and Bill, and uh, let's see, we got Karina, Brian, Cole, Maura, and Billy are here today. My uh, aunt and uncle, their children are here, and wives and husband. So this morning, I, I want to tell you that I, I, you know, I've been raised in a Christian family, and sometimes we go through a time where we feel like we're a, you know, a, a Daniel in a den of lions. Well, this morning I feel like I'm a, a lion in a den of Daniels. <laughs> wow. As we've been talking about the series, the blessing, and how God has richly blessed his people and we've gone through the old testament and really we started even in genesis with adam and god saying adam i put you in the garden for a reason and the reason is to be fruitful and multiply and and rule over the earth and the things that i'm giving you as a steward and what we saw how when sin came into the world that god immediately put in motion a plan to bring man back to himself but also, you saw through Noah and then into Abraham, <laughs> I'm not done yet. This isn't the Academy Awards where they start flashing the light. But you saw how Adam and then Noah, then Abraham, and then Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and the people of God and, and how they were just blessed. And, and really, the uh, obvious thing of the blessing was, let, let's just get it out. It was money. It was assets. It was livestock. It was the things that God had blessed them that the other people of the world could go, my goodness, those guys are blessed. We're, we're going to pick it up later, further down the road after Easter, uh, about them entering into the promised land where we stopped last week. But, but this morning, as we get closer to Easter, I want to show you that there's a transition that happens in the New Testament. And when you get a principle in the Old Testament, you, you go through the cross to see if it applies to us today in the New Testament and, and the New Covenant. Um, and it's very important, as we've been talking about, it, it's changing our paradigm of how we see things. Because it's so important of how 
you frame your thinking because how you see yourself is the way that you'll act out, the way that people see you. Either you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth and where you go brings life, or, or you really don't believe in the blessings of God on your life, and really what you're doing is you're being a self-prophet. You know, I never do this, I never get this, and, and sure enough, that's what happens in your life. But we see that Jesus comes on the scene, and, and the blessing is still working in and through people of faith. But there's a transition that takes place. Jesus never comes into, the, into a situation and, and promise some, someone that if they follow him, that they'll be blessed with you know, things. Like he didn't say to the fishermen, if you follow me, uh, you'll catch more fish than you ever did in your life. He, he didn't say to a tax collector, oh, you got money, but baby, if you follow me, you'll have more money than you have now. There was a man called Simon the Zealot, very, you know, out. He didn't promise him a position or any of his disciples in his government that would rule the world. He, he just didn't do that. And it, it's kind of ironic because the kingdom of God you know, the, it reminds me of the, the way that leads to destruction is wide, but the way that leads to life is narrow. There, there's a, it's, it's a small, you know, gate that you get through, and the gate is Jesus. But once you get into the kingdom, the blessings are enormous. And sometimes people want to undermine that and underplay that. And, and kind of the, the thing that I've been repeating over and over is the, the thing that I want you to kind of put into your forefront of your brain and your mind. I'm not lucky, but I'm blessed, and everything that I have is because of the favor and grace of God on my life. I want you to see this because as we go into the kingdom of God, and the blessings are so large, some people don't think it's a blessing to have peace until you don't have peace. And the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit of being blessed with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All those things, when you receive those, when, when they're acting out in your life, that people actually can experience them in your circle, you'll see how much a blessing it is to be around a believer that's actually a discipline, a disciple, learner of Jesus Christ. Again, entrance is one way through Jesus Christ. Entrance is discipleship. Entrance, listen, is the way of the cross. It's embracing everything that seems foolishness to the people that are not a believer. For us that are being saved, it is the power of God. Now think about this, being saved, I, I love that, and we're going to read that in a few minutes, but being saved, it is for us that is being saved to the power of God. There's something about, I was saved back then, you know, you could back then I, I came to know Christ and made Him, but we are being saved, aren't we? Lisa says, we're not perfect, I didn't hear anybody go, <laughs> she doesn't know me. 
Have you ever talked to somebody they started out, I just want to let you know I'm not perfect. Well, thank you for letting me know that. I was kind of on the bubble there for a minute. But we're being saved. We're walking. The, the Bible says being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's an ongoing, it's an endurance, the way of the cross. Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom for us that believe. This morning, I'm going to preach a message that is a transitional message of what I've been preaching out of the Old Testament as we're coming into the New Testament. And it's a way that, and I'll say this again, but most of my sermons is what God, a loving Father, wants to do in you and through you in a world that definitely needs you. Not just you, but who lives and resides in you. But this morning, I want you to see another, really a prerequisite of that lifestyle. And this is a story of uh, the betrayal of Jesus. And the character is Judas. And, and as I read this, let me tell you, th this rocked my boat the more that I studied it. Because again, it brings back the priority of what's most important in our life as Christians. And, and what I want you to think about is where you are now and maybe the failures that you have in your life. And you think, well, maybe this I could have done better. Don't be scared of your failures. Just be scared that you're in the same place you are right now next year. That there's a transformation that's going on and a renewing of your mind that we don't stay in that place. If you have your Bible and if you have your phones, if you have an iPad, turn to Matthew 26. This is a passage as we get into closer to Easter. And, and it becomes a very sober situation because of all the miracles and things that are happening and, and the, the, the mindset of each of the disciples, they all are in a certain place. And, and really the common thread is that they're all, they have a mindset that Jesus keeps telling them and they just don't get it. Let, let me explain. In Matthew chapter 26, I'm going to read it first couple verses and then we'll skip down to 14 but I want to I'll come back and read in the middle of what happens but in the first verse of chapter 26 it said when Jesus had finished saying all these things he said to his disciples now again these are the group of guys that have been following him for three years and he's going to tell them something that's going to go boom I want you to remember that in your life okay here we go as you know, the Passover is two days away. How many days away? Two days away. And the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Do you know what disappointment is? It's unfulfilled expectations. What are the disciples expecting with Jesus? Look, look at the verse 14. It says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity. He watched for an opportunity. He watched for an opportunity to hand him, Jesus, over to them. What, what are they expecting? What is Judas expecting? 
is it, you can see that there's disappointment in his life because what he was expecting and the disciples, because you hear, you get little snapshots of, you know, James and John's mother, you know, trying to get Jesus to say, put them in a special place in your kingdom, in your government. We know that they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the government. Because see, the, the, the disciples, like the Jewish people, are, are looking for a Messiah to come to set up a government that will uh, really rescue them from the Roman Empire. So they're expecting, when, when he's setting them, setting them up into disciples, that one day they're going to be these great guys in different powerful positions. And, and Jesus has now said, in two days, I'm going to be crucified. What? What? When did Jesus betray Jesus? Or when did Judas betray Jesus? When he realized that it wasn't going to go the way that he thought. Now, listen to it this way. It was the point in his life when he became disappointed disappointed in his belief system. Now, we, we've talked about this many times, but your, everybody has a belief system. And out of your belief system, you'll make choices, and your choices will put you in experiences that will contradict or, again, confirm your belief system. A lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll do just out of our experiences, we'll build our own gospel. And, and you'll live a way that, until somebody checks you or you hear something and the Holy Spirit confirms it, and you're, that's not what the Word of God says. Why are you believing that? Here's Judas, and he's set up because he thinks one way is going to happen, and all of a sudden he realizes it's not going to happen that way. Now, watch this. Please remember this. Selfish ambition undermines discipleship and sets you up. Set you up for denial and maybe even to the extent of betrayal. Let me say it again. Selfish ambition undermines discipleship and sets us up for denial and even betrayal. See, all the boys there are expecting Jesus to do something and it's not what they expected was going to go on in their life. This is what I have planned in my life. This is the way it's going to go. This is the way I thought it should go. But it says in the garden, all of them fled. All of them deserted Jesus. You know, you know sometimes in our life, at different seasons in our life, there's something that goes on that we go, wait, 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 just, whoa, whoa, God, I didn't expect that to happen. Anybody there beside the guy up here raising his hand? And we have to go back on our belief system because what we're feeling at the moment, boy, is not the Word of God. I said it something a couple of weeks ago. I want to say it again, and I'm calling my shot so that you don't think I forgot. Okay, so I've already said this before, but it applies again here in this message. About the guy that's climbing the mountain, you remember that? And he gets up and he's hundreds of feet up the mountain side of the cliff and he, he, he can't go up any further and he can't go back any further. So he's stuck. 
it's still, he starts yelling, help, help, is there anybody up there, please? Then he starts, God, help me, please help me. And a voice from the heaven says, okay, it's God, I'll help you. God, help me. Do you trust me, God says. He says, I trust you, I trust you, help me. First, let go. The man says, is there anybody else up there? See, in our life, a lot of times we have a belief system until it's put to the test of total obedience and surrender. And then we're saying, is there anything else? Is there any other views out there that's different than letting go? Can I say this? The life of the Christian or the Christian life is the life of resurrection. Not we, we do not glorify the cross. On Easter Sunday morning, you realize that Christians glorify the resurrected life. But you can't get to the resurrected life unless you go through the cross. Whew. That's profound, isn't it? But so many times we forget the step of the cross. This morning, I want to speak to you because real faith isn't self-determination. But it's surrender. Can I say that again? Because a lot of times when we get to a place that we have that grit, you know, and I want to just kind of compliment some of us that have that grit. But faith isn't just self-determination. But it's surrendering to God's will and not to ours. It's the way of the cross. Realize this, that, that Jesus surrendered himself and was obedient to the cross. He did not put himself on the cross and he did not raise himself out of the tomb. He trusted the Father would do that. See, the spirit of resurrection is outside of our control. We can't call on the spirit of resurrection to, to, to be able to control it in our, you know, the things that we talk about here a lot is if you go to a person and say, can I pray with you? So they, they might not even be a believer, but boy, if you're going to pray for, please pray for my finances or pray for my relationships. You know, my wife and I, I tell you what, my grandma, my, my daughter, don't whatever. Or then they say, can you pray for my health, my healing, someone's sick in my life or whatever. Let me tell you, sometimes if we're not careful, we want to be able to control the, the, the life or the spirit of the resurrection in our life. When, when God says, no, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a surrender to me. What is up to us is to be able to be obedient and surrender to the point of creating a platform for the spirit of resurrection to come and be evident in our life that the glory of God can be seen through our life. And and the grace and favor that is on our life is, again, to bring glory to God. Now, Now, watch this. When Jesus walks out as an example, the crosswalk... I want you to see this because it's so important because in the middle of Judas, in, in, in the middle of him hearing about in two days what he thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. From the moment there all the way down to a place in verse 14 where he looks for a way to betray Jesus, I want you to go back and look at what happens in verse 6. 
It says this. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, which he poured out on his head and as he was reclining at the table. Now, again, you don't have to shut your eyes, but can you picture this? When the disciples saw this, really, they just got mad. So, so again, we talk about our emotions being gauges on the dashboard. You can cover them up with a piece of tape, but you still got the problem. There's an emotion that's going off inside of them. Why this waste, they ask? This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Let me ask you, do they see it as a beautiful thing? <laughs> no. Verse 11 says, The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured the perfume on my body, she did it to prepare for, me, my, for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I want to remind you that unbelief will always be evaluating things like this, extravagant gifts and extravagant offerings as a waste. And they don't get it. The only person in the room that gets the thing that she's doing is Jesus. And you begin to think about this because it says really what she pours out is is a half a liter. This, this is about half of this bottle. Now, now I want you to think about it. The, the disciples are there, and, and we find out that in John chapter 5, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 12, more of the story is told. And it's Judas that really starts the charge that this is a waste. Now think about it. In, in just a few seconds, this woman is pouring out $50,000 on, on his head. And they are mad, just like some of you, that I poured out that water. The good news is my family's here today. And they got more money that they're going to give in the offering to replace all the carpet. So we're good on that. I hope you noticed that we did clean the carpet and the chairs this week. I didn't do it, so you can say it. Praise God. Okay. But $50,000, if you want to say a year's wage, was poured out, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Judas is going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? Because in John chapter 12, it says that he was a thief, that he was over the purse or over the treasury, so he was taking some of it. So his thought was, that's a waste. You could have put it on sale and it could have sold and maybe I could have got a little bit of that. Now think about this. Isn't it something that morality demands expression? That, that it's almost like secret sin invites the spirit of accusation. Watch this. Have you ever noticed that it doesn't make sense that there's something that's inside of people that, that they want to be, they, they, they can't allow 
what's inside not to be acted out. And so they accuse. Here, here's Judas, and to his shame, he's got stuff going on in the inside that he accuses this as being waste. Have you ever thought about how this happens? Like in the homosexual community, how they speak out that they want to redefine family, that there is a husband and wife in their community. It speaks there's something broken inside. Or, or it might be a silly illustration, but something like the, the abortionist that will you know, fight you day, and, but they'll stand up for animal rights. Or the mafia that's in really unrighteous living, but they will say and they'll put a priority on family. It's like something is missing, something is broken. And to them, the answer is to cover up and not to surrender. That's in our life to a certain point when we get to that place where things don't happen like what we thought. And all of a sudden we begin to say, I have been deceived. We try to protect ourselves against the full demand of the cross that's on our life. The, The genuine act of surrendering daily. I'm about halfway through, so here we go. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Everybody okay? Still breathing? Here, here's Paul, and he comes to this understanding of what we're coming to the understanding today. He says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, to us that are being saved, let me tell you, it's this is an endurance thing with the walk of the cross. I, I wish I could say, you know, I'm pastor and I'm about three foot higher than all of you today. Let me tell you, I, I, this is daily. For us being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent I will frustrate The cross is, to to unbelievers, foolishness. Think about it this way. The parable of the sower, you know, as the word of God was the seed planted. And and Jesus' interpretation of the parable was this, that the seed that fell among thorns choked the word of God out. And he said that the thorns were the, uh, the, the worries of life. See, it had nothing to do with money in this example. Just the worries of life choked the word of God out. It didn't make it profitable in your life or in a person's life. Also, it was the deceitfulness of riches. I I thought that it was going to bring me so much happiness if I just add another dollar. And then the third thing is just the desire for other things. Now, keep that in context to what we're talking about. Because if you turn then to it is foolishness to those that don't believe, but it's the power for us that do believe, then look at the next passage I want you to see in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. This is Paul talking to the early church, and it's so important to hear this. Look at this. It says, For as I have often told you before now, 
tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. So, so let's look at what the characteristics of somebody that would be the enemy of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. And their mind is set on, say it, earthly things. So, so watch this. Let me just break this down. We'll pray, go home. I'll let you process it. It says that the, their destiny is their destruction. It says that their God is their stomach. Another version will say their appetite is their God. Now, when I was, you know, coming as a young guy into, you know, adulthood, I'd read that and go, huh, they must be eating some junk food. Really what he's saying is their appetite was on the things of the earth. The eyes and desires were on the blessing, not so much the kingdom of God. Have you ever heard somebody say, keep your eyes on the creator, not the creation? <laughs> their glory is their shame. See, we're all designed originally in, in the destiny of by design that we were, we were designed to live in the perfect glory of God. We go back all the way to the Garden of Eden as we talked about. That's, that's how we're designed. Remember, after sin came into the world, that verse that we all know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In this passage, it, it, it's almost like there's, all, there's only glory or only shame. And in this place, it says, their glory is their shame. It's shameful that you poured out all that. It's not any kind of gift or offering to God. That's a waste. And then the third thing is it says their mind is set on earthly things. And it, again, the lifestyle of the cross can be seen, listen to me, when, when that happens, how the person thinks. It goes through their mind and it displays the way of the cross or not. Let me, let me say this, their mind is on earthly things can be also seen in, in a passage of scripture when Peter, you know that passage in Matthew chapter 16 when it says Peter rebukes Jesus and what does Jesus say get behind me Satan you are a stumbling block to me you do not have the mind in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns why did Peter rebuke Jesus because the cross got in the way or it interrupted what was in his appetite. And all of a sudden there was something of an emotion that went off. No, you're not. No, oh, no, you're not going to the cross. And again, let me tell you, this is an endurance thing. But it's through those tough choices that again, we're reminded that our mind is on eternity, not on the things of this earth. The, the way that the transform mind, transformation of the mind 
Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know God's perfect, pleasing will. Do, do, do we all realize that that is an ongoing thing? That you never get to the place where you go, hallelujah, I've got the transform. It's a constant. It's an endurance. There's all kinds of challenges and circumstances that will come into your life all different seasons. Where I'm at now at 29, I wasn't there at 28. Okay, I'm a little older than 29, just seeing if you're paying attention. All through the seasons of my life, I've had new challenges and, and new expectations. Listen, and new disappointments. And the cross constantly brings me back to what is eternal and what is natural or temporary. Listen to this. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Think about this. As soon as I shift my appetite from kingdom to its benefits, I lose both. Can I say it again? I wish we had that because you need to take a picture of that. As soon as I shift my appetite from the kingdom to its benefits, I lose both. It's prioritizing. In Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, whoever wants to save it, will lose it. It's foolishness to the unbeliever. And when you read this, you go, what? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses life for me will find it. What good, what good, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anybody give in exchange for their soul? Again, the crosswalk goes through the mind, the belief systems that put you in choices that give you experiences. Years ago, I, I realized this. Uh, when the day that Gwen's, my wife's uh, grandfather passed away. And he had acquired some wealth and, and things. And he, would, he had been a pastor for years. And his wife had, had died earlier. And uh, he had moved his house next to Gwen's parents so that they could kind of keep an eye on him and take care of him. And he could have fellowship with family. And, and he died. I just come into the family and uh, they were going to have an estate sale. And, and it, it's what we do because you can't keep everything that somebody has. And I remember is they had it all out for the estate sale and I thought when I saw that, whatever that was, I thought, That was his a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, before he passed away. That was, that's what he loved. But now it was on a, a table ready to be sold to somebody that would give the most. You can't take it with you, can you? 
temporal. You know, when we went through before the sale, uh, they were very generous. Uh, his daughter, Gwen's mother, and said, John and Gwen, what would you like? And, and I chose a chair, and Gwen did this, and her brother chose that. And, and the things that we own that we wouldn't dare give to my brother-in-law, that's mine. Do you hear me, Doug? That's mine. Don't we all agree that the day that we die, we don't care about that stuff anymore? So when we talk about the blessing, realize what we're talking about today is the cross. And as we get to the point of the, the, the Easter Sunday when we celebrate the resurrected life that God has come to give us, that that is where we're at as believers, walking out the blessing. And let me tell you, as I'm here today and my family's here, we can testify. Oh, you can stand in line if you want to, to try to talk us out of it, but we're too old and we've seen too much of it. Peer pressure ain't going to work on us. We have been blessed by the favor and grace of God on our lives. Let me dismiss by telling you what the cross, part of the cross is. Out of the Passion Translation, you ready? It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Can you feel your flesh going, ah? It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated and quick to take offense. Watch this. Love joyfully celebrates honestly and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others and love never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. It's a choice. Realizing that the cross gives us the place that we enter into the resurrected life out of obedience and surrender. This morning, would you just bow your heads for a few minutes? This morning, right where you're at, I want to ask you, even if you've been serving God for 50, maybe more years. And today again, maybe you didn't hear something that you didn't know, but you were reminded of what's important. It's okay to come to a new revelation of God's Word, and therefore, in order for it to be productive in your life, you have to clean out all that junk, all that stuff that is creating a belief system that is just not true.
and the things that God has blessed us with in our life, the, the car, the, the house, the, the, the watches, whatever it is, is to keeping it in perspective of how good our God is and to realize and put into priority the things that are eternal and the things that are temporal. Father, thank you for bringing to our minds things that we need to correct, identify those areas of our life that we need to clean out, stuff that are not lining up with your word. God, you have blessed us and, and given us things that we enjoy our life. And Father, we know that they are good things. But help us to keep our eyes and our minds on you. And to keep those things in our mind as just grace and favor from you. That God, that we are a blessed people in order to be a blessing. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Amen. This morning, before you're dismissed... I want to encourage you to be givers. We have ushers that will stand in the back. And uh, you can give your offerings on the way out. As we come into a, a season of Easter, we're planning to do some things around the church in the next few months. We'll give you more uh, heads up on that. But just to give you a little bit of a snapshot real quick, is we're going to have Christmas at the chapel in July, <laughs> and it, it's for the church. There's things that we would like to do some uh, repairs and upgrades on our sound system and, and things. I know our worship team sounds immaculate, but anyway, things better, if you can imagine, uh, things that are, are important. And uh, so we're going to do a catalog that we'll be handing out in the next few weeks and, and just to give you time to pray about what you can give. And, and there'll be bite-sized things that you can say, you know what, I want to purchase that. It might be a, a, a projector, or it might be something like that or whatever that we can use at the church. And uh, I say that because we don't want to do anything of necessity. You know, we got to do it now. No, 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 no. No, give you time to think about it. And uh, I don't want to put any pressure grudgingly, you know, on you. Come on, you give that money. Or... That's usually how we work around here, isn't it? You better get... No, I'm kidding. kidding. But anyway, why don't you stand with me? How many people have experienced favor and blessing on your life? Remember, you're a blessed people. As you go today, the things that I remind you often is if you're going to eat at a restaurant, first thing you do is say, what was your name? To the waitress, you get their name. Try to say it three times. The most favorite word that they'll ever hear is their own name. And then I want you to remember to smile. If the blessed life is all over you, you should be smiling. 
That was almost like me saying, I need you to sing a solo at church. Mm, smile. I don't smile. Good night. They'll think I'm crazy. Smile. Listen to what people say with interest. And then the third thing is when people leave your presence, they need to feel good about themselves. How am I going to do that, Pastor? That's on you. Be blessed. Thank you for coming to the chapel today. See you next Sunday.